0: Hey, friends, welcome to episode 46 of the Health Forward podcast. In today's episode, I had the privilege of interviewing Amy Schaefer. Amy and I have been friends and colleagues for a few years now, and she and I serve together on the Wellness Council at UT Medical Center here in Knoxville, where she still continues to serve as the chair of that council and the fitness manager of the on site fitness center at the hospital. Amy is a certified personal trainer as well as a cancer exercise specialist, and today she's sharing some of her knowledge and expertise with us around the idea of exercise as medicine. This episode is full of practical advice that you can start applying to your health journey today, so I can't wait for you to hear from her. Let's get to it. Hey, friends. I'm Elena Davis, your integrative health coach, and I'm so glad you're here. This is the Health Forward podcast where each week we will be talking about different things that move us forward toward a healthier and more fulfilling life. Thanks so much for listening in.
1: Hi, friends. Welcome back to the Health Forward podcast. For today's episode, I am joined by my friend Amy Schaefer. Amy is a certified personal trainer, she's a cancer exercise specialist, she's the fitness manager at UT Medical Center, which is where I know her from, and she's a chair of the wellness counselor there for the employees at the medical center, so she wears lots of hats and she does it all very well. Amy, welcome, so glad to have you today. Yes, yeah, glad to be here. Before we get started, can you just tell us a little more about yourself and how you kind of got into this world of health and fitness?
2: Um. Yeah, I just, I've always enjoyed this arena, but probably, gosh, maybe more like 15 years ago now, I just really had a more of a desire to get involved in the corporate side of wellness. And so I have really enjoyed working with the working population and to help them be healthier, which in turn feeds down to their family and helping them too. Yeah, that's
1: awesome. Um, I know when we served on the council there together, like at the hospital, there was just so, so much opportunity for helping, um, especially like the health professionals that work there, the doctors, the nurses, and um, just all the employees that just work so hard and can so easily get burned out. And we, you know, I know we work a lot around all that stuff. So it's really important uh, work that you do. It's really, really great. Um, so for, For today's episode, we're going to talk a little bit about exercise as medicine. So I talk a lot about food as medicine and how we can help our bodies heal and function properly through what we eat and different um, lifestyle choices and how we live. But can you tell us a little bit about this idea of exercise as medicine and some of the medical benefits as well as like the kind of lifestyle benefits to that? Okay. Yeah.
2: Well, I mean, even if we just
1: start with talking about like
2: mood and stress and anxiety, which I know is heightened for a lot of us right now, especially with COVID nineteen going, you know, on and us being involved in a pandemic, um, just moving more throughout your day is going to increase your endorphins, and so that in turn increases your mood. And so when our moods increase, you know, our stress and our anxiety and depression don't feel as intense. And then we also have more, um, more energy. So less feelings of fatigue. We're more alert. We're better able to concentrate. And when I think about people that are home right now, especially with their kids and the kids are having to do virtual learning, just the importance of getting them up and moving so that they can stay alert, concentrate on their work. And then it just exercise helps just enhance our thinking and learning. So from that standpoint, um, really good. And there's a, I don't know who said this quote, but it's, it's one that I do like, but it says food is the most abused anxiety drug and exercise is the most underutilized antidepressant. And so I think, yeah, I think we forget that. And there's been so many studies that have been done on exercise and the benefits and still just sticking with the, the mood or the theme of, you know, mood and stress. They've found that even five minutes of aerobic exercise, so that's exercise that gets the heart rate up a little bit, can begin to stimulate anti-anxiety effects. So it's not like it takes a whole lot to start to get some of those benefits, yeah. which is, you know, really nice. And then psychologists that have also studied exercise and anxiety, they suggest that even a 10-minute walk, as far as anxiety is concerned and stress is that a 10-minute walk can be as good as a 45-minute workout. And so I'm not at all saying, let's not do 45-minute workouts. <laughs> but just, you know, the the concept of when we don't have time and we feel like we can't commit to, you know, 30, 45 minutes and we choose to not exercise, there is a lot of benefits that happen just from that shorter time frame. So that's that's more along the lines of just our mood and anxiety and stress and depression but exercise helps improve our sleep. And there's been lots of studies on this as well. And people that exercise three times a week actually slept better than those that only exercise once or twice a week. And another interesting little statistic is that anxiety is one of the leading causes of insomnia. So if we can be more active, then we're helping lots of things at once. So it's, it's kind of a snowball effect of things that will happen from the benefits And then when I and when I think about, you know, moving more into just our current state as far as with the pandemic, exercise, this help increase our immunity. So we are better able to fight things off. So that's an important um, kind of motivator, really, for us to continue to be active. And then the, the one thing I always like to refer to is there was a study that was done back in 2015 and it's posted in a Scandinavian Journal of Medicine, but it it covers 26 different chronic diseases that they found physical activity to either prevent the chronic disease from ever happening or just to be a significant um, frontline treatment for these diseases. So we already kind of talked about the depression, anxiety, and stress. So that's more of the the psychological aspect of um, chronic diseases. But neurologically, it can help with dementia and Parkinson's, multiple sclerosis. When we think about just our metabolism and that whole system in the body, that's going to help with cholesterol, um, metabolic syndrome, anyone that's got the polycystic ovarian syndrome, and then just type 1 and type 2 diabetes. So exercise has a significant Um, impact on either how those things affect us or them not affecting us as much. And then when we think about cardiovascularly, I mean, that's how we strengthen the heart. So anything that's related to that and blood pressure exercise is going to help for lungs, so COPD, asthma, and then just from a musculoskeletal standpoint, it does help with osteoporosis and just even osteoporosis arthritis and rheumatoid arthritis as well and a lot of people that do have arthritis or back pain it's sometimes hard to mentally convince yourself to do exercise because you think it's going to be painful mm-hmm. but it has been shown that not moving is actually worse on those joints than doing appropriate movement that will actually make you feel better
1: mm-hmm.
2: and then probably last but not least and this is one I'm sure you all talk about quite a bit when you talk about food is medicine but just the research that's been done on exercising and cancer and some not just are helping to prevent getting certain kinds of cancers, but the impact we have on getting through cancer treatment. And then also from decreasing the cancer reoccurrence from happening. Um, exercise has proven to be very important in that arena as well.
1: I think, You know, a lot of those things are things that kind of in the back of our head, we, even if we don't know specifically, like we know, like we should exercise, exercise is good. But it's kind of like a lot of times we talk ourselves out of it because we think like, oh, I don't really feel like it, or I'm just too tired already, or, you know, my back hurts or my knees hurt or or whatever it is, or I don't have time. You know, we have so many, um, our brains just kind of automatically default to an excuse of. The why not do it but I know personally I've experienced that you know where I'm feeling anxious or even just feeling um like I have a lot of thoughts in my head and I can't really feel like I'm sorting them out well if we go for a walk a lot of times we like to go for just a walk around our neighborhood after dinner and it's crazy how just like you said like five to ten minutes and all of a sudden I feel like I can think more daily or you know, my husband and I will start talking and then we're like processing things out loud and both of us end up, our mood is better. We feel like we can make decisions better. You know, just something that simple can have such a huge impact on, I think, you know, our, our mental health, which really impacts everything else you talked about. Oh, yeah. And one thing is to, if
2: we can get in the mindset of thinking of physical activity as like our daily medication that we have to take, just like if you were, if you had to take blood pressure medicine, well, eventually that medicine's going to wear off if you don't continue to take it. So it's the same thing with exercise. So we have to factor in doses throughout our day to get these benefits. So kind of having that comparison may help some people to stick with it a little bit more. Right. Yeah.
1: That's a really good thought. And that's the perfect kind of segue into what I want to talk about next. Um, Just like I just mentioned there's tons of reasons that we all kind of need to default to that not just struggling to do it, but struggling to do exercise consistently. And so to keep those cumulative effects of exercise. And one of those is just time um, and working exercise into like an already busy schedule. So can you give us some practical tips on ways that we can work exercise into our day-to-day life? Yeah. And um, one way is just to think of it. Not
2: necessarily as an exercise session because I think a lot of people think of, oh, if I'm going to go exercise, like they've got to commit a certain amount of time, they've got to do certain exercises within that session for that to constitute as exercise. But we're just talking about any kind of physical activity, so any kind of movement that you can add to your day. So shifting your mindset a little bit will help, but just looking at each, even if it's just a week ahead, and if a week ahead is too overwhelming, just, you know, get up that morning and look at your day, and just notice where do you have some open pockets of time, even if it is only five or ten minutes, mm-hmm. and if you're someone who uses your phone quite a bit, it's set reminders on your phone, oh yeah, at ten today, I'm going to do five minutes of stretching, and at one o'clock, I'm going to go do a walk around the block, and mm-hmm. um, so I would highly encourage some sort of reminder if it's that or if your computer quite a bit, have it on your Outlook or Google Calendar. And if you're still old school and like to write things down, post it notes in a place where you're gonna see it as a reminder. Yeah. So just you have some sort of visual cue.
1: Yeah. Um,
2: and so that's that's really a big one. And speaking of visual cues, even just having your whether it's a exercise outfit that you're gonna wear or your shoes that you go walking in. Having them set out and ready. That's a good visual reminder too. Even if the day's gotten busy and you see your tennis shoes sitting by the door, you're like, oh yeah, I'm going to walk today. So visual reminders are very important. Yeah. So that, that would be a couple of tips. And then when you think about animals, if you've got dogs, if they're, you know, well and able, great way to get them out and moving a little bit more. And then kids, You know, right now, people may think of COVID as an inopportune time, but really there's a lot of opportunities if you are at home with kids because they need the little movement breaks too. Um, You know, as I talked about earlier, having better concentration and just being able to put more thought and, you know, just enhance thinking, they need that for their schoolwork. So even if you just set up a five-minute time for you and the kids to do some, you know, physical activity together. That would be a, a way to get it already worked into the busy day and just make it part of your normal new, Hey, this is, this is just what we do, uh, you right. know, during, during the school day, every day at 11 o'clock, we're going to take a 10 minute break and we're all going to kick the ball around together outside or, you know, whatever it might be. So those are some ideas. We
1: can look different. I think that kind of we get stuck in our heads of like, it has to look like, an hour at the gym, or it has to look like something like, or it has to look like a run, but it can look different. It can be broken up into, you know, smaller segments, or it can be just the kids, like you said. I think a lot of us think that going for a walk just isn't as good of, you know, a workout, or isn't as effective form of exercise as maybe, you know, going to class. Can you, like, I didn't prep you for this question, but can you get a little bit of, from your perspective, do you think that that's true or do you think that just is helpful?
2: Well, it depends on really what your goals are. Okay. I mean, we all need to be more active during our day. There, there's probably more of us than not that are way too sedentary, just okay. between computers and TVs and just everything else. We need to get some sort of movement in. So, from that standpoint, I think a walk would be great. If you're um, having a lot of stress and you need something that's a little bit more calm and relaxing, then you could go for an easy walk. But if you have goals of, you know, increasing your cardiovascular endurance, weight loss, those would be two that we would want to start to increase the intensity and duration of the exercise. So, I wouldn't say that there's a right or wrong answer. It really depends on your goals. And then you have to look and just say what's realistic for me right now. So even though weight loss may be a goal, maybe making changes in other areas with sleep and hydration and food, maybe that's more realistic right now than intense exercise is. And so you really focus on those components. And then when life you know, eases up a little or something comes off the schedule, you can put in longer workouts and more intense workouts and utilize that. So it's really just assessing where you currently are and what you're able to do. Yeah,
1: okay, that makes sense. So kind of pivoting a little bit, thinking about you being the fitness manager there at the fitness center in the hospital and you know, you're obviously seeing people come in and work out. Can you talk to us a little bit? I know, about um, can you talk to us a little bit about just current COVID situations, current COVID guidelines, people have all kinds of fears and concerns about, you know, being around other people or about having to wear a mask or what are some ways that people can kind of work around that or work through those concerns um, that you've seen from your experience?
2: Yeah, we are definitely slower right now because there are still a lot of people which understandably don't want to wear a mask when they work out. But guidelines are, if you're six feet, you've got to maintain at least six foot distance between someone. And with a six foot distance, you are required to wear a mask. If you can maintain a 12 foot distance, the mask is optional. So right now we are scattered out throughout the day with people coming in and slow enough that that's not been a problem. So most of the gyms you'll go to, they've either shut down certain pieces of equipment to ensure that people have the distance. um, And then you'll also see signs, you know, just as reminders. But so most gyms are now fully functional and not having to use the mask if you can maintain that distance. But the key thing too is you know, wiping off the equipment before you use it and after you use it. And just like we would any other time, not just during this and not just during flu season, you know, don't put your face while you're in the gym working out. Don't put your hands in your mouth, you know, so making sure that you're washing your hands prior to doing that. So it's more awareness of that, too. But I have seen some people that still come in and they want to wear their mask, and even though they're distanced, and you know, if that's what makes them feel more comfortable, then that is perfectly acceptable. But really, if you're not wanting to get involved just in in that and worrying about people not distancing, the great outdoors are, you know, a wonderful option or just figuring out things to do at your house.
1: Do you have any like specific resources? do you recommend to people, like if they're wanting to just work out outside or if they're wanting to rec- out, work out at home, do you recommend anything specific to them if they just feel like they don't know where to start? Yeah, there's a couple of ones I'll give you.
2: But I will say right now, if you, there are still so many just free resources out there that are available um, just because of COVID-19. Yeah. But a couple that, that I really like a lot, one is Whole Life Challenge. So if you look up wholelifechallenge.com, they they do a, which I think you you have participated in that program with us before here at the Medical Center, but you don't have to actually do the challenge to access their resources. Okay. So they have got lots of exercises and workouts that they post, and then they've got stretching and yoga. So there's, there's a lot of variety there of videos that you can pull up. And then another one is Spark s-p-a-r-k that's got a lot of good resources and then also um nike nike.com they have got some online exercise options in all areas from yoga to strength training to cardio And i know
1: that um a lot of there's a lot of like YouTube accounts as well that um, there's one that I really like. Her name is Lindsay and she's nourishmovelove.com, Or you can find her on YouTube, but she has an entire channel of just playlists full of twenty minute workouts, thirty minute workouts. And they are Oh yeah. Women. Um but they're good workouts like you can do right in your living room. So there's tons of stuff like that too.
2: Yeah, and you saying that reminded me, there was one, one of the fitness members told me about, I looked up and I've actually used, and it was on YouTube, but it's Yoga with Adrienne. Yes, yes, I heard of that. And so she was really good about giving options for beginners, and you know, it's not just all this advanced, we're standing on our heads kind of stuff, so it was very practical
1: for everybody. Okay, good. that's really good to know. I think people are, you know, kind of, so some people are totally ready to get back in the gym. It's a little hesitant.
2: So thank you. Yeah. Super helpful. Yeah. And I would just say, do what you're comfortable with. And if you're hesitant about going back to a facility, don't yeah. just don't use that as a reason to not exercise. Just figure out what
1: your game plan is going to be instead. Okay. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Well, oh, lastly, Are there any other common obstacles that you see um, for people when it comes to exercising regularly or consistently? And what advice would you have in those instances?
2: Probably the, the biggest one is either someone's not setting goals at all, or if they are setting goals, they're either too vague or they're completely unrealistic. And so what I mean by that is, um, you know, the first of the year is especially a good time for this one, but I'm going to exercise more. That is way too vague and that sets you up for failure because what does more mean? Um, so I would encourage people to have SMART goals. So that's S-M-A-R-T, so the acronym. And so they're specific, they're measurable, they're obtainable, they're realistic, and they're time-based. So the way we could take that statement, I said, um, with I'm going to exercise more is I would look at my life right now. And so short term, I might say, yeah, realistically, I'm probably only going to get two days in. So my short term goal might be I'm going to exercise two times a week, but then I'm going to define that out a little bit more. If I know I can consistently do Tuesdays and Thursdays at one, I'm going to go ahead and state that as part of my goal. Um, If that needs to be a little bit more up in the air, then maybe you just stick with the, I'm going to do two times a week and each week figure out when that is. But you can even be more specific and drill down and say, and that's going to be a 30 minute workout. One day that's going to be a workout video. The other day it's going to be me going to the gym. So the more specific you can get, the more um, you increase your chances of doing it. And so then your longer term goals, so we're just talking even maybe three months out, is we might say well, by three months from now, I want to consistently be doing that, and then longer term might be a year out, and you know that's I want to lose 25 pounds over the next year. But this next um, month to three months is just going to be trying to lose a half a pound a week. So that that's probably the the way people set themselves up for failure is just being vague, or like I said, the unrealistic is oh, I've got a class reunion next month. I'm going to lose 50 pounds. And then you're disappointed when you maybe lost five during that month, which is actually more practical.
1: Yeah, I think I've seen that a lot too. Um, Just with different clients that I've worked with. You know, that's a big thing we we talk about in the beginning is setting some very realistic goals and trying to figure out why you're actually doing those things I think that makes a huge difference and you're right I think a lot of people skip that step because they just want to get to the result and that really takes the time to think about the process and what's going to be realistic and then they end up frustrated and so yeah I love that it's really good advice.
2: Again just remembering you know it took you a while to get to where you currently are so whether that's to the weight that you're currently at the deep conditioning you might be at so it's not going to happen overnight to go back to where you were. And it may not be realistic to ever go back to where you originally were. I've got some people who will be like, well, in high school, and we're talking this was 30 years ago. Yeah. Well, In high school, I used to do such and such workout. Okay, Well, the body is not going to be happy with you if you even attempt to do that. So, you know, it's, again, it's about being realistic with who you are and where you currently are in your life today.
1: That's so helpful. Well, thank you so much for spending some of your day. I know you're at work and you're busy, so I really appreciate you spending some of your time to give us advice and some good tips.
2: Yes, happy to do it and hope some people find some benefits in some of the suggestions. Yes, absolutely. And thank you, everyone, for
1: listening, and we will see you next time.
0: Please remember that the content in this episode is not to be considered as medical advice and is only intended as general health information. Thanks so much for listening in today. See you back here next week for another episode of the Health Forward podcast.